All right, you guys can be seated. Well, I'm, uh, I'm very excited to be here. First of all, I want to say, Devin, I'm proud of you. Uh, he came down to Florida to attend our Bayside College, and Mallory did as well. And it was a privilege to have them down there and really to see what God has done in their life and where you guys are at now. And so uh, I'm proud of you, Devin. I really am. So uh, he's come a long way. How many of y'all know? Okay. Yeah, you believe in miracles, right? All right. And so, I, uh, no, I'm, I really am. I'm proud of you, for sure. And, uh, and I'm very thankful to be with you guys uh, this morning. I know uh, your pastors, Derek and Stacy. I know how much they love you. I know how much they love this church. And I know how much they treat what God has given them uh, with great reverence. And so for me to be on this platform today, I know this was not a flippant decision, but I know you guys, uh, you know, you share this with me. And so thank you so much for that. You guys have incredible pastors. Would you give it up for Derek and Stacy? Yeah. What God is doing up here in this church and through this church is actually really remarkable. And so you guys know that uh, God is doing something up here in New England. And uh, it's because of you. You are a large part of that. You are a, uh, a model church for this area. And people are learning a lot from you. Uh, I say that. I'm on the board of the ARC, uh, which is the Association of Related Churches. You guys, that's one of your strategic partners. You give money to that and help plant churches. Over 600 churches all across America, which we were church plant number five 14 years ago, and uh, you're making a huge difference all over uh, this country and around the world, and so thank you for being a part of that. Originally, I'm from Louisiana. I know it sounds like I'm from New England, <laughs> and so, uh, so, but I do, I want you to know I have a heart for this area. My wife and I moved and planted, uh, moved to Florida and planted the church 14 years ago, and I wouldn't be where I am, really, without my incredible wife. We've been married for 23 years now. And so I love you, Amy. Uh, thank you so much for being the most incredible wife. Come on, stand up. Let everybody see how awesome my wife is. Yes. Don't ask the question, guys. I don't know how I did that. But just the grace of God. No. And uh, I have my, my family here as well, and so we're going to spend some time with Derek and Stacy. They're actually dear friends of ours. We like to vacation together and hang out. So uh, it's a real honor to be with you guys today. As, uh, as, as one of my sons recently turned 18 years old, I asked them, you know, what do you want to do when you turn 18? You know, what's, what's the thing you, you kind of want to write a passage? What do you want to go do? And, and so he says, Dad, almost as if he had been thinking about it and he was ready for the question, he says, I want to go skydiving. I'm like, well... Obviously, that's not that brilliant of an idea, but that's death, like waiting to happen, right? So I decided to be a very diligent father, and so I researched reputable places to go skydiving. Now, you think it's interesting to find a place that has good reviews, because if somebody had a bad experience skydiving, how do you write a review? Some of you get that later, I guess. Okay. But I did. I did some research, and I found a place uh, in, in Tampa that, that had a great uh, review. And so we decided to go. So we're driving up that day, and he's like, Dad, I'm so excited. We're going to skydive. This is going to be great. I went, what did you say? <laughs> we? No, this is you. I said, what do you want to do for your 18th birthday? I like my life. You know, I, mean, I got a lot to live for. You 18, you know, whatever. All right. And I got three more kids as well, so if something happens, you know, we're good, right? Kind of <laughs> lowered our overhead, really, in essence, you know, so... <laughs> And he said, no, I really want you to go. And so he, you know, peer pressure, you know, I gave into it. 
And so we get there and we go through a 15-minute orientation. And I feel totally qualified to skydive after 15 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> know all there is to know. So we, we get on a plane and we're doing a tandem jump. So I'm awkwardly attached to this guy. I do not know. Hey. So, so we get on this plane and we just keep going up. And, you know, we, we got to 13,000 feet. Uh, that's, that's really high, you know. I'm from Louisiana and I know that's high. Okay. Because you think about it, when you're on a commercial airline and you get to 10,000 feet, they ding, you're now free to move about the cabin and use Wi-Fi. You're not even there yet. You still go higher. That's really high. And so we just keep going and I'm freaking out. I don't want to do this. And so it's fine. They open up the, the door and he's going to count to three and we're going to jump. And one, two. What happened to three, man? Because I was going to grab on for dear life. And and we jumped and just immediately went from fear to this is the absolute greatest thing that I have ever done in my life. Whoa! And he would turn his hands a certain way and we would do flips and spin. And I'm like, man, this is so awesome. You're falling at 120 miles per hour. Death is rapidly approaching. But because of perspective, it's so far away, you can't tell that it's coming. It just feels like you're flying, and it looks like, you know, you're going to be up there forever. And then I would have these moments of, this could go bad quickly. Like, you know, we could die real soon. And I realized, well, there's nothing I can do. Let's enjoy the last few minutes of life. Woo! And then he pulls the chute, and it, it opened, in case you were wondering. And so we're gliding down, and my son and I are like yelling, yeah, this was so much fun. And we landed, and we were ready to go do it again, right? I went from a person who was totally full of fear to a person who was full of courage and willing to go do it again. And it had simply to do with one primary thing. It was the guy that I was attached to. This, this guy had made thousands of jumps, never even had used this backup chute before. I mean, he knew what he was doing. And that courage came because of who I was connected with. I really believe with all my heart that you're here today for a reason. This is not an accident. It's the very first day of the new year, and God brought you here because I believe he wants you to be a person of courage. I'm not advocating you jump out of an airplane, okay? So don't go do it and say, well, that pastor from Louisiana said to jump out of an airplane. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that God wants you to be a person of courage, that I believe there are some spiritual things that God wants you to just make some leaps for and have courage and You want to do that, and you should do that, and 27 could be a year that you do incredible things. But it's not going to be because, you know, we get those feelings at the beginning of the year. It's going to be a good year, yes, because that. It's going to be because we make a decision to connect ourselves with God in such a way that we can live with courage, and God wants you to be a courageous church. Now, I'm not talking about connect, meaning an address, or a pastor, or a group of leadership. You are the church. Did you know that? The church is not a location. This is where you get together and worship together as a body of believers. But you are the church, and God wants you to be a courageous church. And it has a lot to do with who you're connected with. You see, Jesus took 11 guys, and he, they, he pumped them full of courage, and they lived with great courage, and they turned the world upside down. And I think that that's what God wants to do in your life. So let me set up what we're going to study today. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to study a passage of scripture. Let me set it up for you guys. This is uh, uh, the disciples, you know, the, the, the guys that were following Jesus that started and birthed the church. Uh, so the scenario or the, the text that we're reading 
is about 50 days after the death of Jesus. And so 50 days after that happens, Peter and John are talking to a group of people, the same group of people. They're the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the nation of Israel. They're having conversations with those people who just killed Jesus. And here it is 50 days later. And I want you to take note of this. Look in this verse. It should be in your handouts. It'll be on the screen as well. It says, when they, that's the people that had just murdered Jesus, right? Some 50 days before. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. If you have your notes there, you're taking notes, would you notice that word ordinary? Would you circle that in your outline or, or write that in your notes? You know what I like to do? And here, here's the way we study the word of God at Bayside. This is how I want to do it with you guys today. Is I like to look at the text and I like to go to the original text, which is in the Greek for the New Testament, and see what those words really meant so we can understand how to apply that to our lives today. So the, the English word that we see there, ordinary, is the Greek word idiotes, which is where we actually get the word idiot from. So God can use idiots. How many of you feel qualified? All right, how many of you are sitting next to somebody you know now they're qualified? Okay, yeah, a lot more hands. All right, I get it. So if God could take ordinary idiots and he could turn them into people with great courage, I believe he can still do that today. And I believe that's what God wants to do. So no matter how ordinary your life, you may feel that it is, God has plans for great courage for you and great things. So let's study these guys today and figure out how can we have 2017 be a year of great courage for this church, really for you. All right, here's your notes. Uh, it's your first blank right here. In order to be a courageous church, a courageous person, we must have a recognizable relationship with Christ. So if we go back to this Verse 13 in Acts 4, I want to pull out another word and I want you to notice something here. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary people, right? They were astonished and, circle these next three words, they took note. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Those three words, they took note, that actually in the Greek it means that they, to, to recognize something. So imagine these guys, they, they saw the courage and they took note. They went, hey... I recognize the way they're acting, they look a lot like Jesus. There's something about them that reminds me of Christ. Isn't that the essence of what Christianity is all about? That people should look at us and go, hey, but there's something about them that's different. Although that's not necessarily always true. Most people in America who are put off by Christianity in church... They say that because they've had an experience with people who are Christians and they go, oh, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But that's what Christians are. We're, we're little Christians. We're supposed to be Christ-like. When people see us, they're supposed to go, man, I think there's something different about them. They must be a Christian. That's in essence what it's supposed to be. But I, I'm sure, hopefully you're like me. There are times in my life where last thing I want people to know is I'm a Christian. Oh, anybody have those moments? I was going to Chick-fil-A not too long ago. I was, how many of y'all love Christian chicken? <laughs> if you don't love Christian chicken, man, you're going to hate heaven because they're going to have that stuff every day of the week. It's not going to be closed on Sundays. Woo! <laughs> I have you so ready for Chick-fil-A today and you can't have any. I'm so sorry. So I was at an event for my kids' uh, sports on Saturday. We have services on Saturday night. I was there all day. I was running late for church, and I was hungry. 
So on the way to church, I just so happened I was passing by Chick-fil-A and I thought, well, I've got to stop and eat, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. So I get ready to pull in and I notice the drive through line is wrapped all the way around. You know, that happens at all the Chick-fil-A's, right? Build some more. Jeez. All right. But I, I've already got my mind set for Chick-fil-A, right? I want some Chick-fil-A sauce. I want some nuggets. Come on, right? I drink that sauce with a straw. So I pull in the line, and it's slowly moving, and I'm watching the clock, but I'm vested. You know, i got to stay now, right, because I'm already in line. And I'm getting close to the place to order, and this car pulls in off the street and is going to try to sneak in line in front of me in the drive through line. Ain't happening. Oh, no, you didn't. And you know how you can communicate in your car without saying anything? That's what was going on. We were having a conversation. He pulls up. I pull up. He pulls up. I pull up. You couldn't fit a piece of paper in between my bumper and the car in front of me. Hey, buddy, I'm a holy man. I got holy things to do. I got to go preach the word of God. You got to get in the back of the queue like everybody else, man. And he's in this car with the top down, and he's got a buddy with him. And you bleed this guy. And I don't have anybody to talk to, so I'm just smack talking back. What's up, man? You go to the back of the line, man. So then it happens. This guy reaches in his back seat. He's like, oh, he's going for a piece. It's like, it's going down in Chick-fil-A parking lot, man. You know, I'm from Louisiana, bro. I will shoot you and bury you in the bayou in Louisiana. You don't mess with me. The Cajun mafia, bro. We don't play. So I don't know what's going on, man. You know, I kind of got my window cracked because we're talking trash back and forth. He reaches in the back seat and he pulls out a prosthetic leg. Oh, I know. All of a sudden, I feel like a dummy, but I'm full of pride. And I don't know about you guys. I'm full of pride. I don't want to admit I'm wrong. So I'm like, well, where's your handicap decal? How am I supposed to know? He says, look, I'm trying to get in a handicap spot right there. You just got to let me in. I'm like, well, I didn't know, man. So now I get out of my car and I turn to the people behind me and I'm like, can't you see the handicap guy trying to get in here, man? And my wife's like three cars behind me. She's like, oh, my gosh. So when I got to church, I confessed, and I told the whole church, right? Just felt much better. In fact, that still helps me today because what an idiot, right? Idiotes. Okay, do you understand that there are probably times in all of our lives where people wouldn't look at us and go, wow, that's Christianity. I want to be a part of that. You think that guy would come to church? Not in a million years. Why? Because I didn't have a good, recognizable relationship with Christ at that time. This scripture in Timothy, it says that they will act religious, but deny the power that can make them godly. Oftentimes, we have just enough of Christianity where you, maybe, maybe they're Christian, but man, if that's it, I don't want to have anything to do with it because we're acting rather than truly being connected with God. In fact, back in this verse, and it says, they took note. I want you to circle these next three words. They had been with, had been with. Those three English words, they are the Greek word S-Y-N, which is where we get the word sync from. It means to connect something. It means to, to, to sync up, right, or to, 
to mark something, right? You do that with your phones or your tablets or your computer. You, you sync it to make sure it has the latest operating system so that it's running optimally, right? And that's what you and I should do with Christ. We should sync our lives up with God where the two actually become one, where we're marked with God so that we can run optimally and live in all that God has for us. But here's the problem, that we oftentimes get close enough to God where we never really catch the real thing. How does that work? We come to church, you hear a sermon, you might be here today and you write something down or maybe it's happened in the past. You, you mark your Bible, you mark that scripture or whatever and you go, that's awesome. And we mark the word, but we don't allow the word to mark us. And so we don't live different lives. We're the same old people because we're getting close to God, but we're not really syncing up with him. And you wonder why your life's not operating at its maximum capacity, why you're not living in courage. Scripture says that Jesus said, come close to me and I will come close to you. That means to become one. It's like putting creamer in your coffee. You put it in there and you stir it up and the two become synced. They become one. You can't separate the two. That's the way we're supposed to live our lives. Never going to be a person of courage. If all you're doing is marking the word, but it's not marking you, it's not syncing you. And I just submit to you, let's go all in. Let's live our lives in such a way where we're not just casually connecting with God. In fact, I relate it to this. It's kind of like getting a vaccination shot. You know, if you're going to go out of the country and travel to a third world country, go on a missions trip or something like that. I know you guys do a lot of work in the DR. And if you're going to go on a trip like that, you oftentimes you go to the doctor beforehand and you get a vaccination shot for the perhaps some diseases or things that you could catch there. And they give you just enough of that so that your body builds up an immunity so you do not catch the real thing. Spiritually, people do that all the time. They get close to God. You get like a vaccination. I'm going to try church. I'm going to try God. I'm going to give him a chance. I'll pray. I'll, I'll see God. I'll go to church. I'll try this thing out and see how it works. And all you're getting is a vaccination, and you never really catch the real thing. The only way to do that is it's time to sync your life up in entirety and connect with God so that when people see you, there's no doubt there's something different. That person must be a Christian. If 2017 connect, if it's going to be a year of great courage, you got to sync your life up with God. you got to go all in. But notice this. How do we do that? The next point is surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, so we're studying this passage of these, these disciples. It was Peter and John. Fifty days after Jesus. So they're, they're walking to the temple to pray. And as they're on their way, there's a crippled guy there. And he's like, you know, alms for the poor. Help me out. And Peter says, we all know this, right? Silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. And, and this kid is, is healed now. And so that's caused this big uproar. And so that's why these leaders of the nation of Israel who just murdered Jesus, that's why they're calling them in. Now notice what happens next. It says, then Peter, look at this, filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you circle those words, filled with? With the Holy Spirit. He says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to count today for an act of kindness that was shown to a cripple and were asked how he was healed, then you know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Think about it. This is Peter. Fifty days earlier, he's denying Jesus even in front of kids. And now here he is with great boldness of people that could literally have him crucified as well. And he's standing there with this great courage and great boldness. What's the difference? Filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That word filled, it means to produce something. It means to be accomplished or to be furnished. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that's accomplishing and furnishing and equipping Peter now to live with courage. See, I, I like to play golf. Any golfers in the house? Oh, real Christians right there. You know why? Because if you can play golf and stay safe, you can make it through anything. You know? It'll test your flesh in a big way. All right. I've been playing golf since I was three. My dad wanted my brother and I to be professional golfers. We're both pastors, so he's real disappointed. <laughs> and so uh, I was, uh, there's a man in our church who owns a business, and they have what's called pro-am tournaments, which where they allow amateurs like, like myself to play in these tournaments. And so his business sponsored a, a place in this tournament. So I was going to get to go play. And he said, Randy, you, you go. I don't like to play golf. You do it. And so I was going to get to play for two days with the pro golfers, the ones that you see on TV, right, the, the best players in the world. So I didn't want to get out there and hack it, right? So I practiced my game, and, man, I, I get it really good. And the day came, and I stand there, and I get to the first tee. Now, mind you, there are cameras and people everywhere, and the best players in the world are all standing there. And I've, I've been practicing, all right, so I'm ready to go. And I get there on the first tee, and I am so nervous, right? <laughs> And I hooked the ball, and I hit it so far left, it actually ended up right. That's how, that's how bad it was. I ended up having to hit another shot. I double bogeyed the first hole. That's a terrible score for you guys that don't know, uh, you know anything about golf. It was bad. Now, I worked so hard to get ready, but I still hooked it out of bounds. Here's what I believe in all my heart, that there are people spiritually, Christians, all over the world. I believe there's some of you here today. You're trying so hard to hit the ball down the middle of the fairway in life spiritually with your family or wherever it is, and you just keep hooking the ball out of bounds, and you're exhausted, and you're ready to just say, forget it. I guess I'm never going to do it the right way. I guess I'm never going to overcome or accomplish these things in life. Let me give you a deep spiritual truth that is actually counterintuitive to how we think. In being courageous for God and accomplishing anything great, it is not about trying harder. It's in surrendering more. That's the dichotomy of Christianity. It, you know, we think, well, if I just pray harder, if I just try harder, if I just, uh, if I just, uh, God will be pleased with me. No, that's not it. You have to surrender more. That was Peter. He gave it all he could just days before that, and he continually denied Jesus and failed God. And now the only thing different is Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this verse in Ezekiel. It speaks to this season that we're living in right now. Notice this verse. God says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep all my laws. Now, notice in this verse 37, it says, I'll put my Holy Spirit in you and he will move you. You can circle that as well. This is the Old Testament, so it's in the Hebrew. Those two words, move you, are the same as the words we just Read in the New Testament, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to equip, it means to furnish, or to help accomplish something. Now, this scripture in Ezekiel is a prophecy hundreds of years before the New Testament that we're living in now, where the Holy Spirit now is being poured out on us. We are living in Ezekiel now, where the Holy Spirit is inside us, accomplishing us and helping us to live in all that God has for us. That's why Peter, 50 days before that, couldn't do anything. And now here he is full of courage. Why? Because he had surrendered to the Holy Spirit. 
And now he is fully equipped because of what God has put inside him. He surrendered more. Listen, I've been in situations in my life. I've been an addict. I've been a person who couldn't overcome things in my life. And I went to 12-step programs and I went to rehab units and I did all of those things and I continued to do the very thing that I didn't want to do. Why? Because I was trying harder. The day on January 30th of 1992 when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, that's the day the Holy Spirit accomplished and furnished me to say no to those things and I've been free ever since. Why? Because it's the power of surrendering. That's what it is. Listen, don't misunderstand me, by the way. I'm not against 12-step programs or, or any of those things. I'm just saying those things will not set you free. Surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what sets you free and gives you the power to accomplish things. So if 2017 is going to be a great year, you have to learn how to surrender more. And it doesn't mean that you sit around and go, oh, I'm just waiting on God. <laughs> He's going to do what he's going to do. No. No, that, that's not it. Follow me. This thing is inductive, Okay you got to sync yourself up with God. And just whatever it is in your life, it's time to surrender all of that to God and sync up with him. Allow the Holy Spirit to equip you and furnish you. Then, your last point, be obedient to God. Then you have the power and the equipping so that you can get up and do what God is calling you to do, to be a person of courage. Look at this verse. So they, they called them in again. They called in Peter and John again, and they commanded them, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That word there, obey. Everybody say obey. obey. It means to hear and to respond. I think we're great at hearing sometimes. Oh, yeah, God, I need to work on that in my life. You've probably written things down and, and made notes, and you said, I'm going to change that. I, I need to forgive that person. God, it's time for me to start serving in church. I can't just be a consumer. It's time for me to be a contributor. It, it's time for me to put God first in my finances and start honoring God. And you, you've gotten a word from God, and you wrote it down, and then you get up and you leave here, and you go, I don't know if that really was for me, God. I mean, really, were you talking to me? I mean, maybe there was somebody else there in service sitting next to me and you were trying to communicate with them and I, I intercepted the message. It was really for them. I, it wasn't for me and we reasoned it away. But see, we have to hear and obey. It's like my kids do sometimes. You know, I tell them, go clean your room. Huh. I'm sorry, guys. But it's true. You know, your kids, I hope they're like that up here too or is it maybe just mine? Need to come to some parenting classes up here, I guess. Huh? Go clean your room. Uh, you know, I go, did you clean your room? Huh? You, you're talking to me? Do you have a room? Uh-huh. Is it dirty? Uh-huh. Go clean it. Well, I thought you were talking to my brothers. You know, I'm talking to you too, right? But we do that with God. God, you, there's no way you were talking to me. My life's too busy to serve. God, when everything settles down, then I'll do it or... I can't put you first in my finances, God. It's, it's tight right now. And, and God, I can't serve. I can't, I can't forgive that person. God, you know how mean they are. When they decide to change the heart, well, then I'll forgive them. We start reasoning it away. And we wonder why we don't see the power of God working in our lives. What if God answered our prayers or met our needs at the same speed with which we obeyed him? 
Could it be the power of God working in your life is all held up waiting on you just to be obedient to what he's already told you to do? But we rationalize it away. We reason it away and we say, oh, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll do it later. Listen, you're starting a series next week called Text. You're going to study the word of God. And the way to be blessed, blessed by God is to be obedient to God's word. And so make 2017 a year where you say, God, your text is what I'm going to follow. I'm going to be obedient even when I don't understand. In fact, especially when I don't understand. Isn't that what faith is all about? Faith is only faith when we don't understand and we just have to be obedient and do it anyway. It doesn't require faith when it's all figured out. So just be obedient to what God is already asking you to do. That's what the scripture says in 1 John 5, 4. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it that you need to overcome? It's our faith that helps you do it. Here's an interesting little thought. See the word victory? It's the Greek word Nike. Now you know why Nike, where they got it from, right? So now when you see a swish all the time, you realize that that's how God brings you the victory. It's actually the Greek goddess of victory. And that, that's, that's what that word means. So when you see a swish from now and you realize, listen, God, I'm going to be obedient to your word because it's in faith. That's where the victory comes. My dad, when uh, Rick and I were growing up, he had a lot of nightmares all the time. And uh, his, the nightmares were when, when, when Rick and I were still little. We, we'd come running into his room in the middle of the night, wake him up, and both our arms were cut off and we were just bleeding everywhere. And uh, Dad, he kept having these over and over and over again. Well, he traveled with his company as well, and he was actually in Atlanta, Georgia. The last time he had one of these nightmares, sleeping in his hotel room, he had the same dream. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He's sweating. He's just so frantic and so worried, and he drops to his knees in that hotel room on the side of his bed, and he says, God, I am not getting up here until you deliver me from this. Dad has told me, he said, son, I don't know if I was on the floor for 30 minutes or for three hours. He goes, but I knew I was not getting up until God delivered me from that. And God, in essence, gave my dad a word, and that was, don't worry about your sons, Richard. I got a plan for them. They're going to be okay. And it lifted. And dad got up, and he lived life trusting God. Now, I went through all kinds of difficult times. I told you guys a moment ago, all sorts of addictions and all sorts of things. But my dad had faith knowing that God was going to be obedient to what he said. He just needed to keep trusting him. I don't know what has you crumpled on the floor. I don't know what you're worried about here today. And it doesn't really matter because it's your faith that helps you overcome whatever that is. So your decision today is simply very clear. You have to make a decision. I'm going to sync up with God. I'm not going to be a casual Christian anymore. I'm not going to check the whole God thing out. I'm going to sync up to him. I'm going to be one with God. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants in my life because without him, I'm just going to fail miserably. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to go be obedient until I hear otherwise. And I don't care what I feel. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what other people say. I'm going to get in relationships with people that fuel my faith. And I'm going to keep believing God because 2017 will be an incredible year, Connect Church. But it will not be a great year unless you're full of courage by syncing up with God, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, and just be obedient in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I thank you for your word. God, your word today, that you are faithful to us, that you would assemble us here today because you had a word for us, that you want us to be people of courage. I pray that everyone hearing this message today, God, that they would more than ever 
they would decide, God, I want to be that person so that you can work in their lives, in their relationship with you, and in their family and their finances. And God, the things that are in front of them that they're worried about, God, I pray that you would help them to be of great courage. Never doubting your word, God, but being obedient to you because they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. With your eyes still closed and heads bowed, maybe for you as I talked about syncing up with God, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've been a vaccination type Christ follower. You're just kind of casually checking it out and you've been attending church or just checking God out and you never really truly made the decision to let Jesus be your Lord and your Savior. To sync up with Him where you are no longer on your own but you're totally surrendered to Jesus. If that's you today, I couldn't think of a better way to start your 2017 by surrendering to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, in, the count of, in, in a minute, I'm going to count to three. And uh, when I do, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, I'm not going to have you get out of your seat. You don't have to walk down here to the front. It's not about embarrassing you. I want you to take a step of faith. And when you lift up your hand, you're in essence reaching out to God, saying, God, I want to have a relationship with you. So if that's you, in the count of three, lift up your hand all over this place. One, two, three. Three, yes, lift it up high, right where you are, all over the place. Praise the Lord. Okay, put your hands back down now. I'm going to ask everyone in here, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you follow along with me? Everybody out loud, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. You gave up your son because you wanted relationship with me. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient. You died on the cross with my sin so that I wouldn't have to die with it. But on the third day, you came back to life again so that I might have life and that I might have victory over all my sin, temptation, over this world. So I believe it in my heart and I speak it with my mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise for what he's done.